Welcome to the Fat Talks podcast. Here we will share lessons to help you on your business and fitness journey. I'll be sharing practical solutions from building my business and having mind-opening conversations with amazing personalities too. My name is Tommy Rotimi. I'm the founder and creative director of Exclamations by Tommy Rotimi, a proudly Nigerian premium ready-to-wear brand I founded almost two decades ago. I'm also the author of the best-selling book, Fat Transfer from Waistline to Bottom Line, a book on life lessons for fitness and business. Welcome to Fat Talks. Hello, welcome to another episode of Fat Talks by Tommy. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for always tuning in. And thank you for the last um, listens for the last episode, um, the one I titled Don't Do It If. I got a lot of um, listens, so thank you so much for that. Today I want to talk about something that is super, super dear to my heart. And I think this topic is very relevant today, particularly for the creative entrepreneurs amongst us. Today, I want to talk about how to view your creativity. How to view your creativity. And like I said, I'm talking to the creative entrepreneurs amongst us, those of us that create things to sell. Whether you're creating um, clothes like I do, or any other kind of um, fashion product, or you're creating books like authors, or any, any, anybody else, anybody creating to sell. You're a creative entrepreneur, right? Um, and I find that with us, because we are wired to create, we think that our creativity is our lifeline. Like the only way we can stay relevant in our space, in our entrepreneurial space, is by continuously creating. Now, while I can see how easily it is to come to this conclusion, because you are a creative entrepreneur after all, what we fail to realize is that every single thing we create with intentionality, not just creating as a fad or trying to jump on a trend, anything we genuinely create from a place of originality is an asset. And what are assets? Assets serve us in the long term. Assets keep helping us create wealth. That is what an asset is. And you need to start viewing your products and your creativity the way you would view other assets, whether it be land or, or houses you know, other assets that you have. I want you to view your creativity as an asset. And anything you produce through your creativity, you know, bear in mind, you know, you are creating original pieces that are built and made with intentionality. These are wealth-creating tools, and you need to treat them as such, okay? So why am I saying this? Because we are creators we see creating as our lifeline and the only way we can create wealth. So we believe that the only way we can 
keep our audience attention is by constantly creating new things. And most of us don't find this difficult. This is our default. It's in our DNA. Creating is what we love to do. Creating is how we even, you know, become creative entrepreneurs in the first place. That's our justification for being creative entrepreneurs. So it makes sense that you want to keep creating. Now, if creating, whether it's creating clothes or books or poems, if this is a hobby for you, then by all means, you can stick to this strategy and keep creating without purpose, as it were. Just keep creating. But if you are a creative entrepreneur and creating for you means bread and butter, then you know that your business is beyond just the creating. Like I say, and I think I've read it somewhere before, that if you're a creative entrepreneur, particularly if you run a small business, you know that creating is barely 15% of the whole shebang. There is so much more that go into running a business than creating. And this is because a business is different from a hobby. It involves other people, both your internal and external customers, and other people that keep things running, other processes that keep things running. And this takes significantly more time than, let's say, you know, creating or designing um, a dress or an outfit or a pair of shoes, whatever it may be. Most of us would prefer if the creative side is all we did and we delegated everything else or the other parts of the business are kind of running on autopilot. So you can stick to creating as your as the only thing you do, really. But we all know that that's a myth and that is not our reality. So the reality is you have about 15% going into creating, so you can't afford to mess up the remaining 85%. Okay. Now, this is where creativity should be viewed as an asset. If you spend the bulk of your time creating and you have all these creative assets that you haven't given enough time to expand, to breathe, to reach their demographic, to reach their potential or ideal customers, then you are leaving a lot of money on the table and you are losing out. And that is as a result of this mindset. This mindset of thinking that your entire role within your organization is really just to create and you are more or less trying to um, keep the attention of your customer just by showing off your creativity. If you know business long enough, you know that it is not about showing off your creativity. At the end of the day, the reason why it is a business is because it makes you money. So your creative assets should be making you money. And that is what this episode is all about. If you are a creative entrepreneur, please focus on money making in terms of even measuring the success of your business. That is what a business is. Whilst you are not focusing on money making as your purpose, money making has to be your goal. Because money is the lifeblood of your business. It's literally 
blood to your business. It's oxygen to your business. Once you run out of money, money you can access and convert to cash and use immediately to execute your projects, you are not financially viable. If you can't make that kind of money, if you can't have access to money, your business literally starts to die. So whenever you create something, you must look at this thing as a money-making design. It has to be something that you can stretch and make as much money from it as possible. And that's what I'm talking about today. Sometimes, for me, when I create a design, I, I talk about um, taking it through a checklist. My aim, each time I put pen to paper to sketch, is to create a bestseller. Is to create a creative asset. That is my goal. And I do this with intentionality. I have a checklist. You know, I call it um, my bestseller checklist. You know, and if you've taken my course, How to Create a Ready-to-Wear Label in Nigeria, you must have gone through this checklist as well. This checklist hasn't failed me in 20 years. My business has run for over 20 years, but I'll say it's about my maybe in the last 15 years that I could say, okay, you know what, to be sincere, let's say even in the last 10 years, I have really been deliberate about viewing my designs as creative assets. So if you are viewing your designs as creative assets, there are certain things you are not going to do, right? Number one, you are not going to design often. I know that you are a creator, you are a creative But if you are to be a creative entrepreneur, trying to build creative assets, you cannot create too often. Now, what often means to you differs from one creative entrepreneur to another. But as a rule of thumb, I personally don't think you should be creating more than maybe two pieces every three months. Honestly, in terms of the pieces that your business is hinged on, your campaign or that season is hinged on. And like I said, this could vary. Now, the reason why it is important to focus on few designs is because if they are creative assets, they become gifts that keep on giving. If they are creative assets, then they have a long shelf life. If they are creative assets, then there's so much more to them than your first creation. So I'll give myself as an example, you know, and I'm going to talk about some of our designs that we have done this with. A few years ago, I came up with a design called the Labu jumpsuit. And I've talked about Labu many times because for me, Labu is a perfect example of a creative asset. You know, I came up with the Labu jumpsuit and it did really, really well. Um, and years later, years later, when I thought, you know, the lab was coming to the end of its run, I decided to create a different iteration of the lab jumpsuit. And what this did was it started the life cycle of this iteration back to the very beginning. And this took on a life of its own that was beyond my imagination, both at home and abroad. And just as I thought, okay, um, 
this may be coming to the end of its lifespan. What's next? I had a celebrity where the very first label, you know, an iteration of it, wore it on social media, and this started this design off again. Now, Labo is easily six years old, if not older. And she is still one of my best-selling designs till today. She has become one of those pieces that we must always sell. We must always have. It must always be part of our collection in one form or the other. Currently in my store, we have three iterations of the Labu jumpsuits and all of them are doing well. We have people who have bought all iterations and we have some people who have jumped on the, on the Labu wagon, maybe at, at its third iteration, not caring so much for the first or second. This is an asset. Beyond the three iterations we have done, I know we can even do more because even though we have three iterations active, Altogether, we've done at least six iterations of the Labu Jobsuit, some of which we can still call back if we care to. So you see what I mean? This is an asset. So it took me a few minutes, you know, to design the Labu Jobsuit. I would say maybe it took me another month to perfect it in terms of sampling and testing. But six years six years and this design has still been selling some months it shows up as our bestseller that is a creative asset now every design has a potential to be a creative asset but some more than others you know some designs come sooner than they should they come before their time and they don't do very well in the time they come it doesn't mean you should toss them when the time does come, you can tell from the trend of the season if this design is relevant. And sometimes a design just needs to be given enough exposure. But in general, every design you are ready to commit to has the potential to serve you for years. But if you are too busy creating continuously and by doing so, shortchanging yourself, and by doing so, you are prematurely reducing the, life's, the lifespan of this design, of the older design. So if, for instance, I stopped making Labu and introduced another jumpsuit, uh, maybe after Labu jumpsuit was in the picture for, for you know, a few months, what I'm doing is cannibalizing the old one. I'm cannibalizing Labu jumpsuit because... In terms of the psychology of retail, you are telling the customers that this is old. It is not what I want you to focus your buying on now. I have this other thing that is new and shiny that I would rather you buy, but I'm no longer doing that. And the customer closes the tab on the lab jumpsuit, focuses on whatever it is you're offering next. I must make a call on whether or not it is something she is interested in. Do you understand? So that is one. Number two, you have to realize that as you grow older, as you grow older in age and as your business grows older and widens and your systems and processes 
become a, are becoming a bit a bit more complicated as you introduce new vendors and new team members. Your energies will now be focused more on keeping the engine running. So you have to deliberately create a system where anything you deliver in terms of creativity has the potential to stretch. And how do you stretch a design so that it does indeed become a creative asset? This is the bit that is super interesting. First things first, like I said, create iterations of it. Create iterations of it so that more people can have access to it. Introduce this design to new markets. If you find that it's beginning to dip, it's getting to the end of its lifespan, introduce this design to new markets. And how do you do that? You introduce it to new, to new markets by um, celebrity endorsements, for instance. It can be a micro-influencer who can introduce this business and, or this collection or this particular design to a new demography. You know, that's one. Number, number That's two, rather. Number three, you can have promotions around it. Promotions bring a lot of eyes to a design. And by so doing, it gets, gets more people involved. You can pair this or style this um, with the help of a stylist or yourself, attaching it to a new design. That way, people buy this bundle. And again, it has given them access to the design you are trying to make a creative asset. Everything you are doing in the first couple of years while this, this design is new is to introduce it to new people. And even as the design becomes a little bit more popular, you are still looking for new markets for it. You are still trying to get people to see it as relevant for the season. And of course, you are trying to create wealth with it. You know, So one thing that you need to do is Find new markets for this design through maybe styling it um, with a stylist or by yourself, okay? And find new people by introducing it to new markets. It could be a new market in terms of geography. It could be a new mind mindset in, in terms of uh, the psychology of the customers you're you targeting. It could be new markets in terms of age. Um, so the way you are, the suggestive styling that you are putting out there might be attracting a different demography. Um, for me, generally, having sales um, to push a design, to push stock is not my default, um, even though I will not say you shouldn't do it, but that cannot be a long-lasting strategy because then you're teaching your customers how to teach you. Sorry, you're... You are teaching your customers how to treat you. And by so doing, they will, they, will not, they will not buy from you until there's a sale. Because that's just logical. So I don't do sales too often. But what I would suggest is creating bundles. And then these bundles can be slightly cheaper than if people buy them separately. Okay. Um, that's it. That's it for today. That's it for today. Whatever it is you do, you need to do to view your design as a creative asset, please do so. Please do so. But know that there is so much life 
in this thing you have created. So much wealth to be created. So much. So much. And there is no reason why you shouldn't seek to get the best out of it. To get the most out of it. Because it is your right when you have a creative asset. That's all from me for today. I do hope this has helped. If you have any word concerning this episode, anything you would like to share or any questions you'd like to ask, please go to my email, tomi at tomirutimi.com and let me know your thoughts. Um, also, read my book. I have two books out there now, Far Transfer from Whistling to Bottom Line. Um, that is on my website, tomirutimi.com. And my very latest book, some of many parts where I share on life and balancing life through storytelling and through my personal experience. It's a fascinating read and the reviews have been amazing. So please, um, if you want to get that, you can also get that on www.tomirotimi.com or you can get it on Amazon or of course you can click the link in my bio through my Instagram page, tomi.rutimi, to access the um, book, Some of Many Parts. That's it for me for today. I look forward to the next episode of Fat Talks. Speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to my podcast. This was an amazing episode. Please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Also, buy the book. Bad Transfer from Westline to Bottom Line is available on Amazon and also on www.tomirutimi.com. I would love to hear from you. Let me know what resonated with you in the episode or in the book by tagging me on Instagram at tommy.rutimi or tag the book page Fat Transfer by Tommy. Looking forward to the next episode. Tune in, please. Thank you and bye.